This is the anthem of the adventurer. The show for men who are tired of forsaking their dreams, who are willing to risk, to dare greatly, and know in their soul that their desire for adventure is good. It's time to venture into the wild places in our hearts. Here's your host, Dan Saner. Welcome to another episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer podcast. I'm your host, Dan Zaner. On today's episode, we've got my good friend and Dad Edge Alliance brother, Andy Storch. Andy is an expert in business development and coaching and hosts two podcasts, the Andy Storch Show and the Talent Development Hot Seat. Today, we're talking about some ways to adventure with your family, the importance of still adventuring on your own as a dad and planning with the desired end state of mind with your wife for holidays, birthdays, your 2019, and all that stuff. Now, <laughs> this episode was originally intended to be released before Christmas to uh, help with your holiday planning, but sometimes life with three kids overtakes podcast production, and here we are. <laughs> so thank you for being flexible and continuing to listen and support the show. It really means a lot. I really love all of the feedback uh, that I've been getting over the past few weeks, so thank you for taking the challenge to... Let me know what you think about the show. On to that, I'm always looking for more feedback on how to provide better and more challenging content for you guys to get out and live more adventurously. So if you have suggestions, shoot me a message on Facebook or email me. There's a link in the show notes. Now, on to our interview with Mr. Andy Storch. I'm going to ask you to give to myself and the audience of something that we can do in the next week to incorporate some adventure into our lives. Yeah. So I want you to find the nearest place where a grizzly bear might live. And uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a ways from me in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Same for me in Florida. We have some black bears here, but uh, <laughs> grizzlies. you have to go to Wyoming, Montana or Alaska, I think for that Canada. But uh, no, actually my challenge, what I was thinking about is uh, especially related to my my our conversation about expectations is to check your mindset and lower your expectations and don't put so much pressure on yourself in terms of what adventure means mm. it doesn't have to be a four-day backpacking trip and a helicopter ride for your friend right hopefully not. i have in my daily in my morning affirmations that i will take my kids on an adventure once a week and I count it if I take my kids, we get out of the house and we go to the science center, which we do almost every weekend. And sometimes it can almost get a little bit of routine, but it's doing something fun. It's getting out of your normal routine. Um, it's something different. It's exploring something, um, seeing something new, having fun. Um, you know, even if it's just going to the pool for the few hours or yesterday, this last Sunday, we went to the beach, uh, which we don't always do. And, uh, you know, played in the waves. I would count that as an adventure. You know, it's just getting out of that normal mm, routine where you're yeah. not just sitting home and don't worry if you're not, uh, you know, fighting bears or hiking across the country. Cause I'm not doing most of that most of the time either. I hope to do those things with my kids when they're teenagers, but for now, like it's, it's fine just to go to the beach or go to the science center, like I said, or, you know, the pool, do something different, just doing something fun. So I think, yeah, Find some fun things you can do without putting so much pressure on yourself that it has to be someone else's definition of an adventure. Yeah, I think that's that's great. And and those little things will build the mindset and the skills so that when 
you know, they're physically and mentally ready, you can do those bigger adventures with them. You can, you can take them, you know, to hike the Pacific Crest Trail or you can, you know, do right. a climb up Mount Whitney with them or do go ruck selection together. Welcome to another episode of the Anthem of the Adventure. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a awesome guest for you, one of my other good friends from the Dad Edge Alliance who actually led a mastermind that was in the first one I'd ever been in. And he's calling in from Orlando, Florida, although usually he's all over the place. <laughs> he's a world traveler, or at least a U.S. traveler, all over with his many different flavors of business. Andy Storch, good to have you here, man. Dan Zayner, thank you so much for having me on. This is something that uh, we have talked about since you started this podcast. And of course, we've <laughs> known each other longer and, and keep in touch on a regular basis. And uh, I always love talking to you, but I'm really excited to be on your podcast. This is awesome. Yeah, it's it's great and really serendipitous that it ended up working out schedule-wise um, to record now because you just got back from a really awesome trip with your family out to Yellowstone. <laughs> I did. I did. So I live in Florida and uh, I took my family, uh, my wife and two kids on uh, a bit of an adventure. And your kids are, what ages? They're about the same as mine, right? A little bit older. Uh, my kids are four and a half and two and a half. So okay. about the same as yep. your two oldest. And uh, yeah, we went to Yellowstone National Park for five days as well as spent some time in a couple of places in Montana. Um, all told, the week was uh, 11 days, and uh, it was fantastic. We had a great time. That is amazing. Well, I, tell me a little bit more about your your background and kind of what you do, and then we'll def, let's definitely dive into that Yellowstone trip as a good place to start off with it, uh, about your flavors of adventure in your life. Sure, and and I can get into a little bit of the background of how something like that comes about because yes, I, I know that uh, you probably have guests from all kinds of different backgrounds, listeners from all types of different backgrounds. Some people grow up with adventure just being part of their regular cadence, right? Because their their dad or their parents make it so. And I don't think that I necessarily had that growing up uh, here in Orlando, Florida. My parents, we always went on some good vacations. Um, we never got on planes. You know, we would drive to different beach towns and stuff around Florida for a weekend, um, a couple times up to Indiana to visit relatives or uh, Evansville, that is, so southwest corner or southeast corner, is that right, by Louisville? Southwest, yeah. Um, yeah, southwest corner, that's right. And um, a few different places, and we would do some fun things and, of course, played a lot of sports, and I, I think my dad did some adventurous stuff with us, but probably not as adventurous as the things I would later get into as an adult, and that happened... I think a lot of it started when I, I moved to California at 23 to Southern California and uh, I became friends with a guy named Sean Galt uh, who was really big into hiking and camping. He had done a ton of that as a kid and uh, I started going out with him and we started um, getting into camping all over the, the Sierra Mountains. I ended up uh, hiking um, or climbing Mount Whitney twice, which is the tallest mountain in the continental U.S. The first cool. time him back in probably 2004. Uh, and then started getting into backpacking and doing a lot of backpacking in the Sierras and some other places. And the first time I went to Yellowstone was actually in 2008 with my friend Sean, uh, right after I graduated from business school. And we took a two-week road trip and uh, went up to Glacier National Park in Montana, where we uh, did some backpacking around. And by the way, for anybody into hiking, camping, the mountains, uh, for my money, and I've been all over the world, Glacier National Park is the most beautiful place I've ever been to. It's mm. just, you know, every direction you turn, there's another waterfall and just, you know, crazy, beautiful scenery. 
And uh, we had some adventures there. I, I had a, I was influenced by my friend Anthony DeLuca, who used to do a lot of uh, hiking and camping and climbing as, uh, as well. Um, his rule was you never sleep in a tent unless you have to. And so I'd be <laughs> camping with people and I, I would follow his rule and I would always sleep outside under the stars because I wanted to just be outside in nature and elements and see the stars. And one night we were in Montana and uh, my friend Sean was sleeping in his tent and I was sleeping outside under the stars. And I heard the middle of the night I woke up and heard some kind of boulders being moved and some trudging along near me. And uh, <laughs> I just kind of laid there frozen for about an hour before um, it finally um, you know, dissipated the sounds and ended up going back to sleep. And then the, I remember the next day we, we ended up at a ranger station and I told them about it and they were like, yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of bear activity up there oh. uh, where you guys were. Oh, so that was my <laughs> first, uh, you know, that, that made that extra adventurous, if you will. And That's so, one of those, you should probably have been in a tent times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably might've been an idea. Although, you know, for anybody who's ever watched uh, the movie Grizzly Man, which is one of my all time oh, favorite movies, uh, that guy, uh, was in his tent when he got eaten by the by the grizzly bear. So uh doesn't exactly keep you safe. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's a little uh, bit more hard, a little slightly harder target, but uh yeah, not not yeah. much of the so stuff grizzly bear. I had um I had also um gotten interested in entrepreneurship and and started some companies and um been involved in some startups out in LA. Uh, none of which worked out. And I also so I went ended up going into the corporate world. I worked in insurance. I got an MBA and then I got into pause for just a second. <laughs> see if right I can down where I said I was. Okay, so you got startups in LA and whatnot. So, yeah, so then I got into consulting and um, worked for this really great company called BTS, which is a Swedish company focused on strategy execution, and um, got into building and um, facilitating these workshops for clients. And um, it was such a fantastic opportunity for someone who loved to travel, but didn't have that much experience um, growing up to start getting on planes and traveling all over the world, really. I mean, I've facilitated workshops on four continents and probably 20 countries at this point. Wow. And uh, a lot, everywhere I went, um, you know, I don't know where I developed this sense of adventure, you know, whatever you might call it, but it, you know, related to curiosity, I wanted to always go out and experience the places that I visited. So mm. oftentimes, you know, I might visit a city and we've got a half day free or maybe I arrive a full day early and some of my colleagues are spending the entire day in their hotel rooms catching up on work. My philosophy is always, <laughs> well, I'm in this place. I haven't really been here before. I've only been here once. I may not ever come here again. So I'm going to see as much as I can see. So I'd always, you know, head out and do whatever I can do, go to the main site, you know, and put together some crazy days. I remember the, the second time, uh, I think I went to Paris for work and I arrived on like an overnight flight that landed at 6 a.m. and I didn't have to work till the next day. And I think I just went crazy taking trains around to, you know, different sites around Paris for like 15 hours until I finally, oh, had, to, finally had to go to bed, you know. But it's just make the day as, as adventurous and take advantage of the time I have and in different places. And so I've always kind of had that philosophy. Mm. But um, as many of your listeners know, things change when you have kids, right? You can't be quite okay. as, uh, <laughs> well, at least I had the mindset I couldn't be as quite as adventurous, especially with young kids. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, I have a four and a half year old daughter and a two and a half year old son. 
So, you know, once I became a parent, I probably started spending more time at home, but I've been looking for ways to incorporate more adventure with them. And so that finally led to this trip to, to Yellowstone, which is that I've always wanted to go back to Yellowstone. I visited that first time in 2008 and um, had such a great time and I wanted to take my family there and was looking for an idea for a vacation this year with the family. And it just so happened that um, the president of the company where I am now, uh, who's a friend of mine, mentioned that he has a house outside of Yellowstone where his family's been going for, for decades. And uh, he said, we could come stay there anytime we want. So I said, great, we're coming. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought we were going to go there in the summer in August, but then plans changed because of work, the work my wife is doing, and ended up getting pushed into September. And we realized it was going to be a lot colder, especially than we're used to being a Florida family, <laughs> where yeah. in September, it's still in the 80s. In fact, if we recorded this in October, it's still 87 here. Um, but it was already down in the 20s at night, you know, in, in Yellowstone. And so that caused me to hesitate for a minute, especially because of the kids. <laughs> They're not used to that. Yeah. But, you know, going back to this sense of adventure, like, we can figure that out. We can handle it. You know, oh, yeah. live there, not a big deal. Uh, and so we went up there. And I think that, you know, certainly going into the mountains and um, traveling around a, um, a national park that is also a super volcano is adventurous. But I think probably the most adventurous thing, as many of your listeners might know, is just taking two little kids on a plane. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you plan for that? Like, did you, did you, did you use some of the tools that we've been learning to, together with Larry and Ann or, uh, how did uh, we, you and, and Courtney work all that out? Well, we, we had good, good communication on it. We, there was a, you know, a couple seconds where it could have, things could have turned into an argument, but we got aligned on what we wanted that to look like. And I think, you know, we didn't do a full desired end state, but thinking about how do we want this to go? Mm. Um, you know, I think she, my wife was very nervous about the flights and wanted to just be at ease about things. And so we made a compromise. Uh, we're, we're pretty big on, uh, you know, this kind of related to adventure, right? But we're, we're pretty uh, limiting in terms of screen time for our kids. You know, they, we don't let them watch a lot of TV or use iPad very often. They get like half an hour a day. And we basically decided that we were going to take two iPads on this plane and give them carte blanche <laughs> And that was for my wife's peace of mind. And oh, I yeah. said, okay, fine. You know, it's, it's a few hours of their life and at least it'll keep them occupied. And we had other activities and things. They weren't really on the iPads the entire time, but it definitely made things a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we limited it again once we were on the trip. Um, you know, we've taken lots and lots of road trips, car trips. Um, there's a lot of driving involved in going around Yellowstone. It's a huge park and we've still never let them have uh, any screens in the car. Uh, but the plane was like a whole nother ball game because you're like trapped in this confined space. There's other people around. You can't stop. You know, tantrums, <laughs> tantrums don't just bother you. They bother other people. Yeah. So like, okay, we're, we're doing screens on this plane. <laughs> and um, it was great. It worked out really well. We took a you know, four-hour flight to Chicago and then like another three-hour flight or something, two-hour flight into Jackson, Wyoming, and woke up the next morning. And sure enough, it was 27 degrees, which uh, <laughs> we don't have a lot of clothes for. But again, we figured it out. Uh, Did you like go to the local Goodwill or something or <laughs> REI or whatever? We borrowed some clothes. We bought some stuff before we left. Um, you know, the, some of the stores like Costco here was already selling, you know, coats, which is just so strange to me because it's not going to be cold here until probably December. But, <laughs> and, and cold there is like 60. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll, you know, it'll get a little cooler than that. But uh, yeah, we, we think we prepared pretty well. We still... Um, 
there was a couple of days where we were a little chilly, but uh, we I think we were pretty well prepared. Boost your immune system. Practice the uh, w- Wim Hof cold exposure. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Get ready. Get the kids on that. I was I was doing my uh, my breathing uh, routine, the, uh, doing the Wim Hof method, as as you know. And uh, mm-hmm. Alex was watching me, and he started. What was it, Jane? I can't remember. One of the one of the two of them started, you know, doing the the fast breathing with me. <laughs> That's you know. The, the cool thing about all of this, you know, the, the adventure of parenthood, if you will, is that our kids are always watching us, right? They do different things. Like I do stretches and exercises at home and they want to do that. And, oh, yeah. you know, you start getting a routine of doing adventurous things, then that becomes part of who they are. And I'm sure you talk about that a lot on the show as well. Yeah. What are, what are some of those things that you're seeing your kids uh, start to do that either, either <laughs> uh, on purpose that you're consciously wanting them to follow or, or not? Well, um, you know, there, there are things that they still resist at this age, but I know they notice, like we talk a lot about healthy eating. We talk about exercise. I take them with me to the Y where I go work out a lot. Um, they know I meditate every day. They don't really want to do it with me, but they know. And, and eventually they'll probably be interested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they probably know, at least from me, that we don't, I don't tend to like just sit around and do nothing. So we'll always like fill the days with something. And on the weekends, we're, we're definitely always doing stuff uh, as I know you are as well. And um, so I, that probably I would hope and assume caused them to be a little bit more ambitious and get used to the idea of like getting out and doing stuff all the time. And that it's not normal to just sit at home and watch all t- TV all day. Like some people do. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way that I prefer to live my life. And I yeah. know that it will inspire them to be the same way. Yeah. That's, that's been a, a challenge for me. Like these past couple of weeks since uh, the, mm. the new one came along, it's been really easy to just like, yeah, I'd watch TV all day. And, and you've got a good excuse, right? You got a new got baby. A I mean, you've got to yeah. be home and you got to take care of that thing. And it's uh, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not easy, but I, I, I can see already some of the, the benefits from even just a little bit like saying, Hey, let's, you know, Alex and Jane, let's go for a walk or let's go for a hike or let's go chop wood in the backyard or something to like, just get out, get some exercise, get some fresh air, give Tracy a break from at least one or two of the, of the right. three. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, you were asking about using tools and um, making that trip and that vacation successful. And yeah. One of the things that made this trip so successful for us and, you know, you're talking about 11 days together with the family. We were often, as I mentioned, Yellowstone is really big. So you do a lot of driving. Um, so we were in car in a, in a car. We got a minivan um, in a van together for a lot of time, you know, every day. And there's so many, so much potential for arguments, disagreements, you know, tantrums. And certainly the kids had those because they didn't get the things they wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about tools, one of the things that I've learned that's been a big game changer for me and I know for you as well is, um, you know, I learned this originally from following the great Tony Robbins that, you know, all disappointment and anger usually stems from missed expectations. Mm, so yeah. my wife and I had a conversation before we went about our expectations for the trip and how things were going to go. And I've typically been, you know, being a very ambitious person and been a driver when we go on vacation places, I'm like running us from one, you know, <laughs> like site to the next, to yeah. see everything in one day with the, and always getting disappointed if we don't make it to someplace on time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I've done a lot of 
work to to tamper that down, right? And say, okay, we're going to take it slow. We purposefully built in plenty of time to see as much stuff as we want to see. Uh, we don't have to rush. And we're not going to be disappointed if A, we miss something or B, the kids don't appreciate it the same way we do. And that was a big one too, because yeah. you get to something that, and there's so many of these amazing sites in Yellowstone from the mountains to the canyons, to the waterfall, to the geysers, to all these geothermal thermal features. And each one you're like, whoa, this is crazy. And the kids might look at it for a second and be like, that's kind of cool. Look at Daddy, these rocks over here. <laughs> yeah, look at this toy I'm playing with or yeah. let's talk about my stuffed animal because they don't have the same context. They don't have the same history. They don't have the same appreciation for that at this point in their lives. And it's, I think it would be so easy without that perspective to get angry at that point. Why aren't you looking at this waterfall? And <laughs> right. And, yeah. but when you think about it, that kind of ruins the whole thing for everybody. Like, what's the point of that? It's not going to make them appreciate it more. So we just kind of took our time with things. We lowered our expectations. Like I said, we would plan things out at the beginning of the day and say, okay, where do we want to get to? What are we going to try to do? Um, you know, what are we going to eat? And we're not going to be upset if the, you know, the kids don't. And, and we got to one site, a waterfall, where my daughter was having a major tantrum. We said, okay, you're just going to stay in the car with mom. And I took my son, Teddy, out and we looked at the waterfall. And then they eventually got out and you know, we talked about things. And there were plenty of those. Mm -hmm. And, um, I stayed calm throughout and I credit my daily meditation practice for, for that, uh, which yeah. I kept up with throughout the, the vacation. And I think that that helped a lot. And there were other things that didn't go our way. Like once we got stopped because they were doing construction on our road and it was like 30 minute wait before you could go again. Um, wow. and we said, well, what does this make possible? And my wife and I had a conversation about something we were thinking about. And then a few days later, we were our last day in the park. We had we were going to one more site, Mammoth Hot Springs, at the northern end of the, the park, uh, and then we were going to go stop and see the uh, Teddy Roosevelt Arch at the north side of the park in Montana, yeah. and uh, head up to the next place we were going in Montana. And it was about going to be about a two-hour drive to get to Mammoth Hot Springs from uh, where we were staying, but that ended up being longer because about halfway in, we ran into stop-and-go traffic that was crawling along at five miles an hour on this two lane road through Yellowstone and it get on and on and on or running. What is going on? And finally flagged down somebody heading the other direction who said, Oh, there was a herd of bison crossing the road about five miles up. And Whoa. that was causing, and they basically said, I would turn around if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> so then we were faced with this decision. My wife and I talked it through about like, do we want to turn around and try to go a different way? I knew there was another route that if clear would still take us an extra hour. Um, but we decided to stick with it and it worked out okay. And by the time we got up there, we saw the herd of bison off in the distance. They already had done their cross, but it probably caused us, you know, cost us an extra hour. Man, and we had to be okay with that because those things. Big old herd of bison. Yeah, those things happen. The bison rule the land out there. And when they want to cross the road, they cross the road and the cars have to stop. We're talking about the largest land mammals uh, in North America. Yeah. They do what they want. They pretty much. <laughs> I, I like what you said, your, your mindset of, you know, when you run into to obstacles, what does this make possible? Yeah. We had another one the day before where um, we had gone, <laughs> my wife's cousin was with us and we had gone to visit a, uh, one of the geysers and then we were about to go on to the next and uh, we realized my son uh, who's still in diapers had a, you know, he had a, a poopy diaper, if you will. 
And we had somehow forgotten to bring wipes and extra diapers that day in the pants. So we're like, okay, we've got to do something about this. And my uh, my guys are this <laughs> new Alto in the geyser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They discourage that type of thing. And me being an environmentalist and a naturalist, um, you know, makes me not want to do that either. But <laughs> the crazy thing is, people used to do that in the late 19th century and early 20th century when Yellowstone was an early national park. Uh, but um, anyway, so we set our sights on a town in Montana, just north of, of Yellowstone. And we had to drive for an hour or so to get up there. Um, but actually it created another great experience. It's just, okay, what does this make possible? You know, more conversation. We see new things. We went away that we weren't going to go um, through these kind of rocky cliffs to the north entrance. And there were mountain goats all over the place. So now oh, we're wow. cool mountain goats. We saw tons of elk sitting in this little town that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. And uh, it just created all these opportunities. And then we ended the day going over to the Lamar Valley, which is kind of um, known as the, uh, the Serengeti of North America, where it's just this huge long valley. And we just saw, you get out the binoculars, you see herd after herd after herd after herd of bison off in the distance in these wow. groups of like, you know, 400 bison at a time just off for miles. And, you know, we, I originally planned on getting there earlier. We got there, ended up getting there around dusk, which is like the perfect time to see animals. They're all out. And so we saw a lot of cool stuff. And then we're driving back, again, much later than planned, uh, over this mountain uh, on the east side of the park, just as the sun is setting. And we're seeing all these beautiful orange colors across mm. the sky. And I remember my friend uh, who has the house told me, like, try to be in Yellowstone for sunset one night. And I had forgotten about that. And uh, that was also created because of the, the poopy diaper and the ex- expedition to go <laughs> get some new diapers and some wipes that, you know, it wouldn't have happened otherwise. And so I love how, you know, in all of life, that's a little example. You think about all the jobs you've gotten, business opportunities, podcasts you've started or been it's on or anything. Huge. Right. They all come from these different things that we didn't really plan from one little conversation that leads to the next. And if you stop, I love stopping and just appreciating that and, and, yeah. Thinking like, wow, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do all this if it wasn't for this situation that we could have been really upset about. But when it happened, we just said, okay, mm-hmm. we'll diapers. let's let's go find some. Uh, let's not do what Dan Zaner would do and throw this diaper in the geyser. Let's, uh, let's find <laughs> Let a Let it be known, diaper. I wouldn't do that either. I <laughs> watching your son's butt off in the geyser, not throwing the diaper in there. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But, uh, you know, things... I'm, I'm a naturalist really well. and fan of Teddy Roosevelt as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. And uh, as you know, I mean, my son's name is Theodore. We call him Teddy and awesome. we named him after uh, one of our nation's greatest presidents. So it was cool to go see the arch up there. Um, he created more national parks, national monuments, as well as the first national forest and tons of national forests, more than any other president uh, in history. And um, I've always been a big environmentalist and love hiking and camping and being out in nature uh, ever since I moved to California and met my friend Sean. And so um, if it wasn't going to be John Muir, then uh, then (laughs) Teddy Roosevelt was the next logical person to think about uh, naming my son after. Yeah, John Muir is quite the character as well. i uh, one of my one of my fondest memories, and I'm sure you've been there, being at you know, tolling around there you know, the San Francisco Bay Area, but Muir Woods. I mean, my goodness, what a place! It's absolutely beautiful. And interesting though, you know, I think about John Muir really only as being in California. He spent most of his time in Yosemite National Park, um, just exploring the entire thing. He has books about all the things. I have a couple of those. 
and I've camped and hiked a lot in Yosemite, including uh, climbing Half Dome twice, which is just an awesome experience. Mm. But um, I wasn't really aware of how much travel he did outside of there. And we were staying in this house in uh, Idaho, Eastern Idaho, just outside of Yellowstone. And my friend John left us, a, gave me a list of all the great things we can go see even outside of Yellowstone. So I took the kids with me one day to give my wife a break and went to this state park about 45 minutes down the road. And we pull in the parking lot and sure enough, there's a John Muir trail right there in the yeah. state park in Idaho. And it turns out that this land used to be owned by this um, railroad magnate who loved nature and had a you know cattle ranch out there. And he struck up a friendship with John Muir who came to visit and was wow. sitting there sketching the Snake River, which is one of the most famous rivers in North America as far as nature and hiking and all that stuff goes. And it was, it's the Henry's Fork of the Snake River. Mm. And so I took the kids on this little short, like one mile trail of the John Muir Trail. And it was, I mean, let me tell you, you know, we always picture these perfect times. I'm going to take my kids on a hike. We're going to talk about John Muir and the history of nature. <laughs> it was nonstop tantrums, like the entire... <laughs> The entire way, my daughter, we're like, you know, 100 yards in, she's like, let's go back. I'm like, no, we're going to keep going. I brought the stroller because I knew they weren't going to be able to walk that far, but it was like a gravel trail, of course. So it's struggling along. I can't take both of them on the stroller. So I'm making them take turns walking while the yep. other one's in the stroller. It's like nonstop fights. But again, all the while, keeping expectations low. I don't expect them to think this is wonderful. Um, keeping calm. I stayed calm throughout and we managed to make it through the hike. And then we drove around a little bit more. I said, do you want to go see anything else? No. Just want to go home go and see home. Molly. So, okay. We got in the car and we went back. And I still had a great time. It was beautiful scenery. I took a couple pictures down by the river and I hope to go back there and visit one day when the kids are older and uh, maybe have a little bit yes. more appreciation for it. Yes. I think that's what a lot of these trips when we, when we have young kids are going to end up being is like, you know, we have this this epic moment for for us as adults that our kids get to grow into yep you know and you get to say oh man you didn't appreciate this when you were a kid but this is why we went there and then you want to go back yeah and then we can you know revisit some of those things right Um, and it's and it's easy to say to to get cynical about the whole thing and say well they're not even going to remember any of this because they're not right i mean i really don't have much memory of anything before i was six and these kids are foreign too so they're not even going to remember it but it but I think it, the, the idea of going on these ventures kind of gets ingrained in them. They'll yeah. do better on flights and in car rides and going out and seeing things. And you do better in interacting with them. You get them in the habit of doing these things. And, um, and of course, we remember it, which yes. is important. Yeah. And so, something else I wanted to ask you about is since, um, you know, your wife, Courtney, and my wife, Tracy, are, are, are similar in a lot of ways, we got to hang out once for a, a, a dinner in Chicago and they hit right. it off really well. Yeah. How do you guys as a couple talk about your need as Andy for adventure and, and how to f- fulfill that either on your own or with her or with your kids? How do you approach those conversations? Yeah, um, I, we're still getting better, right? It's, everything is, uh, the whole life is a journey and we're, we're always looking for ways to improve. Um, this was definitely one of the best trips where we had pretty good communication I think we could have even done even more, but recognizing that we're different. Like I have this drive to keep going. I need to go out and do adventurous stuff all the time. She likes to relax and feel comfortable and not go, you know, gung ho all the time. And so sometimes she probably doesn't feel like doing things and goes along with me because I want to go see more stuff. And sometimes I've learned to slow things down and not rush to the next thing and say, okay, let's take a break. Let's take a long lunch. 
things that I wouldn't have done before. And, you know, let's slow it down. And also to have a couple of days where, um, you know, she might want to relax a little bit, or she actually had some work to done, be done too. There were two days where I just took the kids on my own and say, okay, I'm going to go out and do stuff with the kids so you can hang back and have a little break. And then we made that switch. Actually, the, one of the last few days we were staying at a place called Mammoth Hot Springs in Montana, which is a really cool place that was recommended by my friend, John. It's up in the the lower parts of this uh, mountain range in Montana. And there's this hot springs resort there, which by the way, Teddy Roosevelt stayed there also at the beginning (laughs) of the 20th century. And um, so we're staying there and uh, there's these mountains and I'm like, I got to go for a hike. I can't go these two weeks because I used to do so much hiking. Uh, And, uh, but I I didn't push it because we had the kids and everything. Uh, So I asked my wife about it and she was, she was fine. And so uh, it's funny, this created another adventure because it fed my need to go out and get adventure while she stayed back with the kids. I checked with the front desk and they told me, uh, yeah, you just head up this trail. You can go in the mountains. It's really great. Um, There's been a lot of bear activities, so you may want to take this bear canister with you, uh, this bear spray. And I said, sure. So I took it with me, (laughs) stuck it in my pocket. And um, I hiked for along. I hiked along for nearly two hours, about 45 minutes out. And then I'm coming back and it was pretty early in the day. It was like 7 a.m. So I was hoping I would see some wildlife, hopefully not bears, but like elk or something else. And unfortunately, I didn't really see much besides a few birds. And I was almost back and I came around a bend, you know, take, like connecting back to my earlier story. And there was this giant grizzly bear Ooh. sitting <laughs> on the trail about 100 feet in front of me, just foraging, doing whatever he was doing or she. Eating some berries. Yeah, exactly. Eating some berries. <laughs> And the bear looked up and I stopped and we kind of locked eyes. The bear, we kind of looked at each other and I think we both kind of had this, Oh shit moment. Like, (laughs) Oh man, Um, (laughs) there's a bear and the bear's like, Oh boy, there's a human. There's a human. And uh, before I could even think to do anything, that bear just bolted off into the woods. Wow. I couldn't believe it. Stared down a bear. Yeah. I stared down a bear. Exactly. (laughs) Um, you know, that's how I would tell bears, the story anyway. <laughs> bears, bears don't want anything to do with us, right? Unless they've been, um, what's the word I've been looking conditioned. Antagonized. <laughs> yeah, antagonized. Where they've been fed, they've been conditioned. Oh, to, yeah. You know, yeah. Connect people with food, which is when they get in trouble. Uh, but that bear bolted off, and I was sitting there just shaking after that, thinking, <laughs> I, I, would I have had time to get my bear spray out if he had bolted at me instead? Like, I don't know. And I actually remember, I forgot. So when I used to do a lot of hiking and backpacking that when you're on your own and you're going around a bend, you're supposed to make a lot of noise. And, um, having lived in Florida the last four years, I haven't been on that many backpacking trips lately. And I I forgot about that. And so I completely surprised this bear, which is not what you want to do. Um, but luckily the bear went the other way. I was able to finish the hike, um, and, uh, survive to, to tell the tale. Uh, so those are my two grizzly bear encounters. And then we saw a few more in captivity, but, uh, that was, that was quite an experience and quite an event. <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of helps you take stock of things too. Like when you, like, did you, did you kind of journal about that afterwards? Like put your thoughts down? I, I took a, I made a quick video, like a two minute video on my phone. And, um, <laughs> I definitely wrote about it in my journal. I was keeping a journal and just writing about our adventures every day. So I, mm-hmm. so I remember all the stuff we did. And, uh, yeah, I definitely wrote about that also. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny like as we're talking like you know 
beforehand you're like oh i'm not really an adventurous guy i don't know what we're going to talk about like, right we're 45 minutes into this you've ran into two grizzly bears been yep. four different continents yeah you know, <laughs> right adventurous conversations with your wife and you know you're more adventurous than you give yourself credit for <laughs> if you if you like adventure i got one more i just thought of that oh, uh, yeah. while we're talking about nature that you will appreciate i think uh as an extrovert and i'll get to why so uh, as I said, Before I, you do, I got funnily it. enough, I am actually an introvert, what? but I'm just a social introvert. What? I get my uh, energy from being in silent in solitude. Uh, everything is changing for me now. Yeah. Um, people people drain my energy as much as I love being around people and talking to people. So um, anyway. We can talk more about that, but like I consider myself an extrovert. I love being around people, but I also do really appreciate my quiet alone time every morning. Um, but anyway, so the last trip I went on, backpacking trip on went on was about three years ago. Uh, in Colorado, I met up with my friend Garrett, who also lives in Florida, but separately, we went to college together and separately really got into hiking and camping, uh, him more in the Appalachian Mountains when he lived in that area and me in California. And we planned this backpacking trip to meet up in Colorado and go out by Aspen and do this trail called the Four Pass Loop, which is uh, like a 25-mile trail or so, or maybe longer, uh, over four passes. Each pass is about 10,000 feet or so. Wow. And, or actually a couple of them are 12,000. So we flew, both flew into Denver, met up in Denver, got a rental car. We drive out to Aspen and um, we get our gear on and we basically like we charge up into this hill like in the evening uh, to try to get five miles in or so before we camp. And of course, um, not doing what we should do, which would be to stop in Aspen and, and acclimate because even Aspen is probably, I don't know, 7,000 <laughs> yeah. down. And so we camped the first night and both of us have a pretty good amount of camping and hiking experience. And he had, he had climbed Mount Whitney with me the second time I climbed it, which again, Mount Whitney's in California, the second, or it is the tallest mountain in the continent of the US. I think it's 14,500 feet. And he had climbed that with me before successfully. So, you know, I knew he could handle some of this stuff. And um, we, the second day we, uh, we got up, we probably did about 10 miles or so, maybe a little less. We went over this pass. He was definitely dragging way behind me. I mean, I couldn't find him. I had to keep waiting, 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 but he finally came, um, met up with me and we found this great place to camp by this waterfall and we camped there for the night. And the next morning, day three, um, I woke up and it was kind of like, okay, let's, let's get going. And he was like dizzy and just didn't think he could hike. And so we said, okay, let's rest a little longer. And now it's late morning, like nine, 10 a.m. And he had this beacon that his, his wife always uh, made him, asked him to carry. Uh, and uh, I said, well, you have that beacon. Like, what does that do? We both kind of were like, I don't know what it does, but we might as well hit it at this point. And keep in mind, we're on the back end of a loop, like a 25-mile loop. There, isn't, there are no roads. There are no civilization around where we are. We're in a valley where all you can do is hike 10 miles in each direction to get to any type of civilization. So... We hit the beacon, he hits the beacon, we kind of doze off, go back to sleep, and I wake up an hour later to the sound of <laughs> it's the helicopter coming into the valley. Oh, man. And I go out and find it circling, circling. I go out and kind of, you know, I'm like, uh, is this for, you know, is this for us? Like tentatively waving, but I'm waving them in. And, and this helicopter pilot does this amazing landing on the side of this valley um, you know, a few hundred oh, eight yards or whatever from where we're, where we're camping. And, uh, I go out and, uh, this female paramedic gets off the helicopters with the pilot and, the, and this female paramedic, she gets, she gets off. And, um, 
she's like, what, what's going on? And I said, oh, my, my buddy, you know, he can't really get up. I don't think he can hike out. He's really having trouble. And then she said, where are you guys from? And I said, Florida. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're both from sea level and we didn't really acclimate for this, uh, for this oh, hike. No. So um, she checks him out and is like, yeah, I don't think you're hiking out of here. And so she, she put him on the helicopter. And it's one of these little, little helicopters where now the, the pilot's like trying to leave his pack with me. And I'm negotiating with him on how much stuff he'll take because he's worried about the weight, like getting out of the valley with the helicopter. <laughs> I got him to take like most of the stuff and I took some of the stuff. I'm like, I'm on foot by myself for, you know, the next two days. <laughs> and so here's where I get to the part about the, the extrovert thing, which is that I have no problem being on my own, but I really like being around people. I don't like spending an entire day by myself, but I essentially had to hike by myself for two days to get out of there um, <laughs> over a couple of past. I met a lot of other people on the trail. Yeah. And of course, like we strike up a conversation and I would say what happened to my buddy and they'd be like, oh, the helicopter. I was wondering because everybody across the valley <laughs> yeah. saw the helicopter. That <laughs> oh, came you're the helicopter valley, guy. Okay. You know, him getting choppered out. Um, so he got helicoptered to a, a hospital in, in Aspen and uh, they confirmed that there was no way he was hiking out of there. Well, that's that good. At least it wasn't like that. a, you yeah. know. False it was it was very necessary signal or whatever. Yeah. Meanwhile, I climbed two more passes. Uh, was huffing and puffing, but I made my way. And even when I got back to the car, there's still cell, no cell phone signal. So then I'm like driving and driving to get back into town, and finally find him. And you know they had pumped him with some oxygen or something, and, and he was okay. And they even said once you got back to Denver, which I think is like what 5,200 feet, he'd be all right. And once you get back to Florida, you're fine. And so wow. I was like, dude, what happened? You, you climbed Mount Whitney with me like a year or two ago. And uh, it turned out he had taken some, some medication on that trip before that helps you with. Oh, yeah. The Dioxin doctor, or whatever. Doctor friend. Yeah, it helped him out. He didn't take anything this time. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were, like I said, I think the first two passes we climbed were, you know, 11 and 12,000 feet respectively. So we're pretty high up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was feeling it, but he was feeling it even more. So that yeah. was, uh, that was quite an adventure. And then, That's you know, nuts. finishing that up on my own. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. And I think, I think a perfect segue as we kind of wrap up here, uh, coming up on, on an hour and I know you've got another podcast interview probably right after this. Um, yep. but, uh, for the, the challenge that I'm going to ask you to give to myself and the audience of something that we can do in the next week to incorporate some adventure into our lives. Yeah. So I want you to find the nearest place where a grizzly bear might live. And uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's going to be a ways from me in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Same for me in Florida. We have some black bears here, but uh, <laughs> grizzlies. you have to go to Wyoming, Montana or Alaska, I think for that Canada. But uh, no, actually my challenge, what I was thinking about is uh, especially related to my, my, our conversation about expectations is to, check your mindset and lower your expectations and don't put too much pressure on yourself in terms of what adventure means. Mm. It doesn't have to be a four day backpacking trip and a helicopter ride for your friend, right? Hopefully not. I have in my daily, in my morning affirmations that I will take my kids on an adventure once a week. And I count it. If I take my kids, we get out of the house and we go to the science center, which we do almost every weekend. And Sometimes you almost get a little bit of routine, but it's doing something fun. It's getting out of your normal routine. Um, it's something different. It's exploring something. 
um, seeing something new, having fun. Um, you know, even if it's just going to the pool for the few hours or yesterday, this last Sunday, we went to the beach, uh, which we don't always do. And, uh, you know, played in the waves. I would count that as an adventure. You know, it's just getting out of that normal mm, routine where you're yeah. not just getting home and don't worry if you're not, uh, you know, fighting bears or hiking across the country. Cause I'm not doing most of that most of the time either. I hope to do those things with my kids when they're teenagers, but for now, like it's, it's fine just to go to the beach or go to the science center, like I said, or, you know, the pool, do something different, just doing something fun. So I think, yeah, find some fun things you can do without putting so much pressure on yourself that it has to be someone else's definition of an adventure. Yeah, I think that's that's great. And and those little things will build the mindset and the skills so that when, you know, they're physically and mentally ready, you can do those bigger adventures with them. You can you can take them, you know, to hike the Pacific Crest Trail or you can, you know, do right. a climb up Mount Whitney with them or do go rec selection together. <laughs> yeah. Funny funny to know that we're in the first second day, first day or two, we're in Grand Teton National Park looking at these beautiful mountains. And my daughter Lucy said, Daddy, I want to go climb that mountain. And I said, Lucy, one day when you're older, when you're a teenager, we will go climb that together. And she looked at me and she said, no, I want to climb it myself. (laughs) (laughs) So, and maybe she will, maybe she will. I hope she does. I hope I get to climb it with her too, though. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be really cool to see how that plays out. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm going to piggyback onto your challenge as well, because I think your episode is going to be out, um, with enough lead time before the holidays that folks will be in their planning mode for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and all that of mm. have one of those discussions that you and Courtney had and then me and Tracy will, are going to be having pretty soon about what you want um, those events at, to feel like and what's going to be there and what's not going to be there right. and what you want the outcome to feel like emotionally for you and your family and then build your plans off of that. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll do more of that too. I mean, the holidays people often say is one of the most stressful times for people. And I think it's because they expect one thing to happen or family expects people to be together in a certain way. And, uh, I know that you and Tracy have been good in the past about having that discussion about what do we want this to feel like? What do we want it to look like? And then how do we achieve that? And maybe it's that, you want to feel relaxed and therefore you don't want to go visit Aunt Selma who's always stressing you out, but you go there because you feel obligated. Maybe you don't this year. I mean, have that conversation, make some compromises. Um, We're planning a potential road trip in December. We just started talking about it yesterday. I don't know where we're going to go or when. I started texting some people to see if they're going to be around and um, we'll we'll set the expectations ahead of time that like, you know, again, we'll take it slow with the kids we don't worry about if bad things happen, you know, or inconvenient things and uh, just make an adventure out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. L- looking forward to seeing how uh, that pl- pr- bleh, planning process goes for you guys, especially since, uh, you know, we're, we kind of speak the same language now with all the training we've been doing together. Yep. Um, moving forward, how can folks find out about all the great stuff that you're up to? You got a lot going on. Love to uh, give you some shout outs there. Sure. Yeah. So I have uh, two podcasts. Um, one is the Talent Development Hot Seat. So anyone interested in talent development, um, check that out. And uh, the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, which is soon changing. By the time this uh, podcast publishes, it will be the Andy Storch Show. Uh, so yeah. Check that out. And uh, <laughs> I'm really active on social media, especially LinkedIn. 
but Facebook as well. And I have a personal website, which has uh, links to all these things, which is andystorch.com, A-N-D-Y-S-T-O-R-C-H.com. So check it out. Fantastic. Thanks, Andy. This has been super awesome as always. Every time we get to hang out, it's great. And uh, I'm about to go hang out with our friends, Larry Ann and uh, Ben Kilroy, actually, for a couple of hours. <laughs> oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll say hi to all the, all them for you and uh, looking forward to the next time we get to connect, man. Absolutely. At, Always love connecting with you, seeing all the stuff you're doing. At zero dark 30 in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. I love everything you're doing, Dan. Um, I love the idea for this podcast and what you're putting out there. And uh, I just appreciate being part of it. Well, thanks. I appreciate you being here. Take care, man. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Please leave us a review in iTunes. Those are the lifeblood of a new podcast, and we really appreciate those. If you want to continue the conversation around this episode and engage with your fellow adventurers on our weekly challenge, join our group on Facebook. Now go out and live your adventure. 